session with Dr. Farid Holaku. Good afternoon and welcome to In Session with Dr. Fadi Tolakwi. I'm your host, Dr. Fadi Tolakwi, and I'll be with you for the next two hours here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in, 310-441-0555. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist, so you can call in with any questions related to clinical psychology, including any emotional or psychological issues, parenting issues, and relationship issues as well. You can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram or like my page on Facebook to get updates on the show or suggest topics for the program. And the shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my SoundCloud page and free podcast on iTunes. Again, the studio number 3104410555. Before I begin, a few announcements uh, that I've made before, but I want to make sure I let the listeners know. Uh, still raising funds for the Rancho de los Niños Orphanage in Baja, Mexico. You can go to any of my social media pages to get the links there. We're trying to raise $10,000 to build a music and art center. They're already starting with the funds that we've got, or I think they're going to start very soon. Um, but we need the, the rest of the funds to really complete the project. So hope you'll go there and contribute if you haven't already. Thank you to those who have already made donations. And then I also wanted to make another announcement for the cruise I'll be doing March 9th through the 12th with commercial travel going to Ensenada, Mexico. It's actually not that far from where the orphanage is where we uh, stop. Um, but you can contact commercial travel for more information, 800-800-1991 or 818-883-8100. I also have a flyer on my social media pages so you can check it out there if you want to get a little bit more information but that's march 9th through the 12th um should be a lot of fun all the programs will be in english other professionals will be joining me as well but i'll do a few seminars and question and answer segments on that cruise so hope to see you march 9th through the 12th and also uh, the book for this week is the psychopath test by john ronson the psychopath test a journey through the madness industry and the author is John Ronson. So hope you'll join me in reading that. I'll talk about it on Monday night's show. All right. So I wanted to start off the show talking about who am I? Not necessarily just me, but the idea of identity. And of course, we can talk at lengths about what it means to think of who am I? Who am I in different situations? Is the I continuous? and various even philosophical uh, considerations. But I wanted to just look at this idea of trying to know ourself. Uh, and in some ways it seems like it should be simple because if I want to know who I am, I should be able to just ask myself or I should even just know myself. It seems like it should be in a way self-evident, uh, in a way no pun intended, that through the self I should know who I am. But it's not that simple. Uh, it reminds me of when I ask people, whether it's in therapy or in general, you ask them what they're feeling, and sometimes they say, I don't know, which is actually accurate. Sometimes we're not aware of what we're feeling, but it's kind of like this idea of, well, then who can I ask if you don't know what you're feeling? But sometimes we don't even know what we feel, and in a way related to that, we sometimes don't know who we really are. Or the way I like to look at it is that we're continuously on this journey of understanding and knowing who we are. 
um, for various reasons. One being that it's so complex and there are so many things that get in the way, which I'm going to talk a bit about today, but also because just like anyone, we are evolving. So even if you feel like you know yourself today, 10 years from now, you'll likely be different in many ways. So the, the self-awareness, self-knowledge and understanding who you are it is a process that never finishes. Just like if you're married, you'll never completely know your partner, both because it's so hard to know someone and that's always going to be a journey and a process. But on top of that, they're going to be evolving. Um, but looking at who I am, and again, it's seems like it should be simple to know ourselves and most of us probably think we do uh, but when we look at our psyche and how most people would understand it far more of who we are or what we think and feel and uh, you know the way we look at the world and look at people is out of our awareness it's in our unconscious so we're not aware of it as much as we'd like to think we are and this is why when you oftentimes ask people questions whether it's about political issues or other things they sometimes say uh, this is what they think and if you ask them they'll give you a reason but we know very often that's not the actual reason when we explore a little bit more deeply we see it's much more than that so we sometimes don't even know why we think what we think why we feel what we feel why we like what we like we say we like the song because of the rhythm because of this but we don't know if that's actually what it is that's the reasons we come up with but when it comes to even more core pieces of our identity there are a lot of things that get in the way of trying to understand who we are. And one aspect of identity that I was going to focus on a bit is our sexual orientation, our sexual identity, which it seems very simple that we should just know and feel what it is. But there's so much that gets in the way of us actually knowing what that is. To begin with, there's so much social stigma attached to your sexuality and specifically not being heterosexual. There's a strong bias, which thankfully has reduced in recent years and recent generations, but there's still a very, very strong uh, bias towards being heterosexual and a negative judgment towards not being that and being either homosexual, bisexual, or whatever the case may be. But there are strong stigmas, and people get this message from a very young age. From very early on, people hear messages, whether it's in the home, which is very common. Uh, you might hear just outright things about those people or being this way or being that way and how bad it is. Or sometimes it's less obvious, but still there. And then, of course, once you get into school and society, you get exposed to more things that tell you messages that it's not good to be that way. And so before you even know what it means to be sexually attracted to someone, to have a romantic relationship other than kind of the fairy tales that you, the kids might be exposed to that give them some idea of being with someone but not really knowing what that means, you already get these messages that tell you it's good to be this way and not okay to be other ways, to be uh, not the, the us. So we kind of already get this distinction of us and them. And to be us is good and to be them is bad and you'll get judged for it and it's a negative thing. So we already recognize that people get this message, but then they start to feel what they're feeling and they might feel attraction to different people. They might feel attraction to their same sex. They might feel attraction to the opposite sex. Um, but we know that what's going to interfere is these judgments that they've already been given, these ideas that they shouldn't be a certain way. And so when someone reflects on themselves and tries to get in touch with 
what they feel. These obstacles and impediments get in the way. If you're so afraid that if you realize you are, let's say, attracted to the same sex, that you're one of them and this negative thing and all that stigma and judgment is put on you, it's going to be a lot harder for you to actually look at what's there. So it's kind of like you want to look on the bottom of the rock to see what's there, but you're so afraid to see what's there that you might not look. And so you might not genuinely see what's there. And that's what many people experience. And this is why so many people don't get in touch with some feelings of their sexuality till much older or much later in their life because they were not allowing themselves or they were too afraid to see what was there because of those judgments. And this is actually part of why even people who are homosexual themselves uh, or part of the LGBT community can harbor uh, homophobia or some of these heterosexist norms and judge themselves. And that's something that they might have to deal with, that many of them do have to deal with, even maybe hating themselves, feeling that who they are and what they are is not okay. And both that and, of course, the stigma and the discrimination that the, this, the LGBTQ community experiences leads to things like a higher rate of uh, mental health issues, but especially things like suicide. We see in the youth a much higher rate because of, yes, the stigma and discrimination is a huge part of that. And that's something, thankfully, we're getting better at, but still have work to do. But also because the person themselves can have that feeling towards themselves. If this is who I am, this is unacceptable. I shouldn't be this way. I can't accept being this. And what? where do they get that from? The messages they've gotten since childhood that this is not okay. And of course, in some families, they know they might get disowned. And in some religious families, they feel they're maybe they're going to hell or whatever else uh, they might be told about that. It's evil. It's immoral. It's a sin. Their love is a sin. The way they feel is a sin. They've been born bad. Uh, and, and I should emphasize that part, born that way, because uh, what we see is that people are born this way. It's not some kind of choice that people talk about. Um, and the way I like to think of it is if you go to any nursery in a hospital and you see all the babies there, could you look at any of them and think that's one of them or any of them or some of them are inherently bad or not good or the way they were born is, is not okay or they should be judged for being the way they were born or they should hate themselves because of the way they were born. I don't believe that. And I think in that way we all continue, we're still that baby. We, nothing about us uh, is unlovable or nothing about the way we were born should be something that means we deserve any less human rights or rights in any way or should be treated poorly by ourselves or anyone else. But unfortunately, the feelings and the, the norms and these messages that we spread throughout society make it so that it's harder for someone to be in touch with who they are to accept who they are because it can feel unacceptable and so this is why when i talk to parents and of course society is the larger scale parent in this way but when you look at parents and i always tell them let your child be who they are and make it clear to them and make sure you make it very clear to them that they are okay whoever they are and however they are at their core and let them express that rather than telling them to be a certain way. Oftentimes parents think their job is to make kids be this. I have to turn them into a good person. I have to turn them into what I think it means to be good and right. And that includes a whole bunch of things and sometimes it includes sexuality. But no, you're supposed to help them 
grow. As I say, you're given a seed. You don't know what that seed is going to look like, what flower it's going to turn into. But what you're supposed to do is to nurture that seed, love that seed, and give it the environment to grow into the beautiful flower he or she can become without trying to force it to say, no, it has to be a daisy or it has to be a rose or it has to be a lily. You let it grow into whatever it's supposed to be. And the less you put those impositions of telling them to be this or be that, you allow them to be okay being who they are and get in touch with that, with all aspects of their identity, from their sexuality to their personality to what they want to be and do, what their talents, their skills are, what their passions are, what they want to contribute to society. What we're supposed to do is really get out of their way. And unfortunately, what we do is, as a society and as parents and families, we get in the way of people getting in touch with who they are and seeing who they are. And then we all miss out when people aren't in touch with that. Anyone who shares any gift that they have, whether it's art or any kind of skill, they have to be in touch with who they are. They have to express it at its core. But when we don't allow that to happen, when we get in the way, people can't do that. So when we look at something as fundamental as sexual identity and who you are attracted to, as much as we think it should be straightforward and simple, you should just feel it, we see that it's not that simple. People have so many fears and people have so many uh, judgments that they've received from others and then have internalized on themselves that they're afraid to see what is actually there. And that is a shame. Um, but the bigger picture idea is when you look at identity, which is very complex and multifaceted, we see that as much as we think it should be simple, we should know who we are, that there's so much that gets in the way that we have to be aware it's a process. It does take effort. And um, this is another reason why I think therapy can be so meaningful in the process of therapy. As I always say, it's not about really fixing problems, but more about self-awareness, understanding who you are, knowing who you are. And in the presence of another party, it's a lot easier to explore that and get more in touch with who you are at your core and to continue that journey. So if you've never been in therapy, I highly recommend it. Um, as I always talk about on the show, I go myself and don't look at it as something that is a short-term thing because I want to continue to, to learn and understand more about myself. Uh, but also let's keep in mind the ways that we tell people not to be who they are or not allow them to be who they are and give them that space to express who they are, whatever that might be. All right, we've reached our first commercial break studio number 310-441-0555. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delaqui. We'll be right back. Studio number three one zero four four one zero five five five. Let's go to a caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. And uh, Dr. Holaka, I want to talk to you about my daughter, who's almost nine years old. Okay. Um, she has a um, little bit of anxiety and depression. Um, I I talked to you. Um, I spoke to you about 
two years ago about mm. her mm-hmm. and uh, started taking her to therapy okay. um, and did a few other things uh, like she she showed interest in basketball. I signed her up. Then she didn't like it and she said she wants to do soccer and uh, later on she didn't like it. Um, but keep her life busy with um, play dates. Um, she's doing really good in school. Okay. Does she have and, any siblings? Uh, uh, she has a sister, which is basically like not having a sister because she's uh, a lot older and she doesn't even live um, at home anymore. Okay. How old is she? So she is, um, the sister is 25. 25. Okay. Was, um, did you guys intend to have the second child? Um, yes, we did, okay. and we were going to have the third one, but uh, due to physical and health issues, it didn't happen. Hmm. Okay. So now um, uh, she is, uh, although I'm taking her to therapy, uh, but I noticed that uh, we are working, we are, her therapist and I have talked, and we decided we need to work on her self-esteem. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I noticed that she is developing OCD about certain stuff, and it's it's getting worse. Even though I don't uh, like, I I pretend like I didn't notice it. Mm-hmm. Um, however, it's getting worse. Like if we go to a store and the things are not organized or in order, she stands there and organizes them. Mm-hmm. You know, and and she gets really upset if her pencils, for example, are not organized. Um, She's doing very good in school. However, uh, lately she's been telling me that she just doesn't want to do her homework. Um, Have you asked her why? Yes, I ask her why, and she says, that's a waste of time. I hate homework. I don't like homework. Um, and yesterday, so yesterday we went to her therapist, and the therapist was saying that she wants to start doing half of the time, the sessions um, in a cognitive play therapy, and the other half, like basically she told her in her language that half of the time, I tell you what game we play, and the half, the other half like before you be the boss and you decide what we play. And and she got really upset and she did not cooperate and she said, I'm not coming to you anymore. With the I therapist? Like so the therapist said, let's do it this way. Yes. Oh, okay. How and do they do it before? Um, before they just played. Yeah. Sometimes I, I went in. Uh, it depends on uh, my daughter's uh, request. If she asked me to go in, I would go in and we play together. Mm-hmm. And if she said, no, don't, don't come in today, I would stay out. Uh, but um, yesterday she explained to her that you're turning nine, and so you're older, you un- understand different stuff that we can do, different games that we can play together. So... Uh, hereafter, how about this? We do a half hour uh, games that I suggest. We play those games, and then she said, "No, you're gonna talk to me, boring stuff, and waste my time. I'm not coming to you anymore." Mm. 
So, um, well, I, I, was the therapist open to going back to the play therapy, keeping it no, the same way? She said, it's, it's your choice if you uh, want to not come here anymore. Um, but I think you, you will enjoy, if you give me a chance to introduce those games to you, you will enjoy them. Hmm. Um, but she was very upset. So I, I have been thinking about whether it's the right approach or not, whether she is, maybe she's not ready that kind of therapy yet? Maybe, maybe not. You know, I try not to interfere too much or make too many comments about someone else's treatment because this therapist has been seeing her for a while and, you know, has her style and, and way she's doing things. And there's not exactly a black or white thing. One issue that does come to my mind, though, is you're talking about her maybe having some OCD, which I want to hear more about. But a big issue related to OCD and anxiety in general is control. And so maybe she didn't like the idea of the therapist taking away some of the control that she had in running the session that your daughter wanted to have. And so she reacted very strongly to that, of losing Which control. Is true. Yeah. Which is true, yes. Mm -hmm. and, and this is something that um, <clears throat> we, we are working on ourselves at home to not give her a lot of, um, lot of uh, chances to make decisions. You don't want to give her chances? We do. We do. Oh, we do. Okay, uh, giving good. her a lot of chances okay, to make good. decisions. We, one, um, we, we are working on empowering her and mm -hmm. show her that you know she has, um, she can make decisions. She she is empowered, and a lot of situations that I basically work on setting her to success, so she won't be afraid of making decisions. Mm -hmm. And and so lo a lot of. Also talking about oh see see I made a mistake because I'm I'm in school also mm -hmm. so I keep always sharing with her look I didn't do so good on this test so mommy made a mistake maybe I learn from this that next time I need to put more effort into my studying you know <laughs> and that's okay that's okay how does so, she react um, to that uh, she she basically look at me like. She knows what I'm doing. <laughs> uh -huh. like, yeah, that's why you have to be careful. And you know what? It almost, I, I think in in like kind of philosophy, I get what you're doing. And I think that's good. And parents in general, it's important for them to do that, show their kids that they make mistakes too. But you have to be careful not to make it that you're emphasizing mistakes so much. You know, almost you want to make like mistakes aren't a big deal. So we don't have to even bring them up every time, you know. So it's like, look, mom made a mistake, mistake, mistake. And you keep saying the word mistake. It kind of emphasizes that mistakes are worth focusing on. So I think in times I would do what you're doing. I think it makes sense and acknowledging mistakes and it's okay and it's not a big deal. But also we don't want to become preoccupied with mistakes because then even though we're trying to keep telling her mistakes are okay, we're still making such a focus on mistake so mm -hmm. be a little bit balanced with that so it's not such a such a focus um but let's come back to the her and the ocd symptoms you seem to be observing what else do you see so you said it stores she might start to organize um the things that are set up there what how else do you see her ocd um she also is extremely uh, sensitive to taste and smell mm-hmm um, 
and and this is something that I have talked to your father about. Also, I talked to her doctor, and I asked. Uh, she she told me to do occupational therapy, which mm-hmm. we didn't succeed to find one. But um, I I feel like this has something to do with it. Mm-hmm. You could. Um, yes, and she also. Um, Sometimes, for example, if if she is um, she's planning to paint or draw something, and she doesn't feel that it's going to be perfectly uh, what she has in her mind, she gets upset and she doesn't participate. Hmm. But she is upset at the same time. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. So th- there's like a perfectionism. And just exactly. you know, that that stuff, and that even when you said she doesn't do her homework or if she stops doing things, I would think of the perfectionism as being part of that. The, you know, going back to that fear of making mistakes or not doing it right. There's probably more to it than it's boring or whatever else you might tell you. So you want to be aware of that. Okay, so sensitive to taste and smell. Um, you're saying the idea and art actually, it's a good thing for her. Of course, not to force her, but to do things like art where there isn't always like a right and wrong. And mm-hmm. when you do that, to not even focus so much on a final product or what she makes, just let her do it. Just even making a mess or being messy in some way um, can be good for her. So, um, you know, give her those opportunities to do art. That maybe she'll resist them because of that. Okay. So, what else? Anything? Uh, have you noticed any type of counting or rituals or tapping on things that she might do no no actually i i discussed this with her therapist as well and she gave me a checklist of all of those um and and i i didn't see any other things in her like super sensitive to sound no she isn't Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. But also this, this um, not getting messy, for example, this has been like, uh, she's been this way ever since very young age. Like my, um, when, when I give her clothes to friends, you know, to use for their own kids, they, they ask me, these look like brand new. Did she ever wore them? Because she never got messy. Like she, that's her thing. Like she, she can't stand it to be messy. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you, you know, uh, the next thing I definitely want to hear from you or get from you is the family history. So from your, your side and her father's side, what mental, any mental health issues, but especially related to anxiety or OCD, what do you see? My husband also is perfectionist mm-hmm. and um, he has a little bit of depression. Mm-hmm. I have myself, I have depression and I'm seeing therapists. Okay, good. Uh, but I don't have that perfectionism. Okay. Do, and do you know of any um, anxiety or OCD in either of your families? Um, no, I don't know. Not that I know. Okay, any obsessional, you know, thinking, overly clean, anything you can remember from your own family, your parents? Uh, no. Okay. Because we know there's a strong genetic component to really any um, mental illness, but definitely to OCD, so we want to look at that. But it seems like from both of you, there could be something there, and depression and anxiety can overlap, and there's a, definitely a relationship uh, 
there. Um, so specifically, do you have a question as far as guidance that you're looking for at this time? Yes, um, uh, two things that one is that she when she doesn't do she doesn't want to do her homework and she announces mm-hmm. very openly she says I'm not going to do my homework this week and um, and I say okay it's your choice no problem mm, but I don't I'm not sure I wasn't sure if this is something that I, I should have done differently mm-hmm. and also how to um, uh, what to do about her therapist. She doesn't want to go see her again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know. Yeah. When when she doesn't go to her therapist, then it's like uh, you can tell that she's missing that in her mm. life. She's more anxious. She gets upset really easily. Um, when things are not in the order she wants, then she starts crying. Mm-hmm. Um well, yeah, so how about this? You know, we're at a commercial break, and, you know, you have those two questions about the homework and the therapy. Let's talk about them and, and some more uh, things after the break, okay? Okay. All right, thank sir. You. Thank you. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Jalak. We will be right back. Before the break, we're with the caller. Let's go back to her. Caller, are you still there? Hello? Hello? Yes, hi. Okay. Um, hi. So we're talking about your sweet daughter, nine years old, um, and you think you're concerned. Before you mentioned anxiety and depression, but specifically you're seeing some more OCD traits. And, you know, not that we're going to diagnose her with that yet, but it does show up sometimes around age nine, ten. We can start to see it then. So... Um, you know, it could be that's what we are observing. But going back to your specific questions, one was about homework and this kind of declaration she made. By the way, there's a lot of out surrounding noise. I don't know if we're on speaker or if that's just what's going on around you. I'm going to get out of this noise. <laughs> if you could, that would be great. Yes, it's a, it's a lot, a lot of uh, outside. That's okay. Um, but about the homework, you said she, in a way, declared you know, I'm not going to do homework this week. And, and I think your initial response was good, not to, to have a strong reaction to it or jump on it, which maybe a lot of parents would have done to, to make it more, uh, make her more comfortable to say whatever it is. But I would say I wouldn't end it there as you just say, okay, that's fine. I would want to try to get to a why with her of understanding what's going on, knowing that one, she might not even really know the why herself. It could be something more unconscious that she's not aware of. Uh, and two, that she might not even tell you if she knows initially. But to create a, a conversation, because we want to know what's what's going on. Based on what you've told me about her, it could very much be about um, the perfectionism and the fear of making mistakes. And it's easier, to, you don't make any mistakes when you don't do something. So she might be choosing that route. But we want to really 
understand what's going on. So I would talk to her about that. Have you had a conversation as to the why with her? Um, yes, I have. And she uh, she keeps repeating that homework is stupid. It wastes my time. It's a waste of my time. Mm-hmm. I don't like to do homework. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, um, I talk to her, do you think that this, this homework helps you understand your material uh, better? She said, no, I learned enough in school already. Mm-hmm. So she she still has a little bit of resentment to school, and that's where her problem started, actually, her depression and anxiety, a uh, little bit because of my health issue, and uh, also a little bit because we moved, and okay. she went to a different school, and that was not very... Uh, she didn't. Uh, she couldn't take it very well. Mm. Like it didn't work out very well. What, what so, was your health issue? Now uh, I had uh, had some surgeries in my spine. Mm-hmm. Um, two surgeries within one year, and um, I wasn't able to work. And then I decided I go back to school, and so that enables me to get a job that is. <sighs> Something I can do, you know. Uh, okay. Something easier for yeah. me physically. And how how did you see the, your surgeries affecting your daughter? Um, well, the fact that first of all, seeing mom is um, home and she's not able to work, and uh, people have to take care of me. I go to hospital. Mm-hmm. I go to therapy, physical therapy. I mean, and all of that, I think she lost her confidence mm. and she's worried about me. Yeah. Um, because I'm sick. Yeah, that's, you know, it, it, for any child, that's going to be very scary to see their, exactly. their mom. And I guess you're saying it was a few years ago, so she was like seven or so? Uh, yes, she was yeah. six. When six, yeah. I mean, that's going to be scary, but especially a child with anxiety, that's going to be terrifying and really scary. Mm-hmm. And, and especially with the maybe an OCD obsessional there's always this unfortunately catastrophizing or going to the worst case scenario. So she might've been very scared of losing you or scared of exactly. what was going to happen. So that could have had an effect and then moving. And then also even you not being as, around as much going to school could have had, you know, th- these things can affect how she's feeling. Now you said she had a resentment towards school. You mean about the changing of schools or what, what was that resentment? Yes. Um, this started ever since we moved uh, from um, one state to another. In the where she went to uh, from three years old to all the way to end of kindergarten, she loved school. She would not want to stay home even when she was sick. Um, and school was fun, like it's supposed to be for her. You know, mm-hmm. a happy, fun place. Uh, but when we moved to a different state. The the pickup and drop off is a little bit different, and they mentioned something about after school detention if they have so many tardies, and she took it real hard way, and and I didn't know this has been announced in school, and so she she started having nightmare, and she kept saying I I hate school. I'm if I'm tardy, they're, uh, they're going to, mm. people are going to take me to a dark room like a jail and do uh, mean stuff to me. Mm. Um, so I talked to her counselor and requested that she walk her through this 
procedure. Pretend she had tardy and she had to go to detention. And so she sees nobody is going to be mean to her yeah. and the room is not dark and all of that. So she gets that, um, that, that drama out of her mind, you know, out of her head that she was. But she had nightmares like a couple times mm. a week. And so that's when I started uh, that uh, when I called you and I started taking her to therapy mm-hmm. and right away the, the her her uh, nightmares stopped good uh, however uh, even though she has friends and her teachers love her she, she told me the other day that kids call me teachers pet the what um, sorry mr they call her teachers pet oh. because she's she, she always has good grades and teachers love her. But even though she, she's really loved in school and she has a lot of friends, she still um, she still gets mad. Like she shows uh, signs of being mad at one of her teachers, especially mm. um, because she's her math teacher and math is her strength. So that surprises me, actually. Why Why she has that kind of relationship with that teacher? Hmm. She says she gets mad really easily. The teacher says that about her? No, no. My daughter says, says the teacher, gets, teacher okay. gets mad. Well, maybe that's what she doesn't like, which we can understand. Um, it could be that. It also, math is a, a place where you make mistakes and the mistakes are very clear. So it, it could be something about that, but it could be the teacher with all these things. I'd always, and it seems like you're the way you talk, I, I get the sense you communicate with her a lot and try to ask her questions. But of course you always want to make it a conversation. What don't you like? You know, a lot of parents, I'm not saying you've necessarily done this. As soon as they say they don't like the teacher, they say, oh, no, come on, the teacher is nice, or they minimize it or take it away. You want to, okay, mm-hmm. if you don't like the teacher, Let me, tell me why. What don't you like about the teacher? Not if it's a teacher, it has to be good. Or we do that with family members, too. I don't like when uncle or aunt says this or does this. Oh, no, she's your aunt. She loves you. Doesn't matter. No, you want to ask them. You know, they're allowed to have feelings about anyone, and you want to explore that. So we want to ask her what's what's going on but we know anger and anxiety also go together when because when things don't go the way they want them and they need them to be a certain way someone who's anxious will react with anger so if you're seeing anger in her it could be related to that and someone with anxiety and ocd and all that tends unfortunately to have issues with their self-esteem and how comfortable they feel in places so it could be that that's that's what she's dealing with so when it comes to the homework i think your reaction initially was very good to not jump on that and make her feel bad or tell her she has to but we want to explore deeper and and even you can eventually tell her you know sometimes in school or in life in general we might do sometimes things we don't like so you can empathize with like oh you know yeah it's kind of boring or you maybe feel like you already get it and it repeats itself a lot and you already know what's going on but sometimes we have to do that because of and you can even say do you like you know, talk about grades. Maybe she does care about her grades. I'm assuming she does. And, you know, we say, well, that's if you want to get the grades that you want, you might have to keep doing the homework, even if you don't like it. What do you think? And explore that with her. So, um, you know, we don't want to look at this as the end of the conversation that she said, I'm not going to do it. And so she's never doing it again. But we want to talk and see what is it? Is it the perfectionism, the fear of making mistakes? Is there some anger at teachers or school that she's taking out in this kind of rebellious way? 
you know, I'd explore that with her more, more deeply, but then also importantly about her therapy. So you said you had a question because you mentioned her therapist said she wanted to go from straight play therapy to half play therapy and half kind of like a cognitive behavioral type of approach. And so when did this happen? Yesterday, actually. Okay, so it just happened. Okay, so she hasn't missed the session yet. No. Okay. But Dr. Holakwe, before we go into that, sure. I forgot to tell you a very important factor um, in her life that uh-huh. right now her father, my husband, works out of country. Uh-huh. And, and that that also has been very hard. Even of course, now. yeah. Yeah. We talk every day at, on the phone, every single day, mm-hmm. but it, 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 it's not, it's not the of same. Of course, yeah, it's not the know. same. Well, I mean, and she might be very, she's probably very angry with him. I mean, not only does it make her feel more anxious not having him around, especially because she might worry about him, you know, she doesn't feel as good in the home, but, you know, very likely she's angry with him. And exactly. so, yeah, so that exactly. could be the anger can get displaced onto other people, even you, because you're the parent that's there. That's something we observe exactly. a lot. So she might get, you know, she can't get angry at dad as easily or express it to him, but she can show it to you. And then also other authority figures like teachers in school could be part of that too. So I'm glad you did mention that. That's, that's pretty big. How, how long has he been gone, been gone and how, um, you know, how long does he stay before coming back for a visit? He he's been gone for four months, and he comes home every six months, once in six months for two weeks only. Okay, yeah, that's so, that's not a lot. That's really I mean, he's gone basically all the time. Exactly. Um, that's you know, exactly. that's something I'd consider. You know, I don't know the situation with his work and your guys' financial situation, but we have to look at the effect that's going to have on this little girl. And exactly. Um, if there is any way around it, even to me, if you're making much less money, it's kind of priceless, the, the benefit it would have on her and also the other way, priceless, the pain you're giving her. So, um, to me, I'm very not okay with, with that, a nine-year-old girl with anxiety. It was a very hard decision. It was a very hard decision. And we spoke to my daughter also. And even until the last minute, uh, he asked her, he said, if you tell me don't go, I'll come back. Even at the airport when we dropped him off. He said that's and, your daughter? Yes. Yeah, but you um, know, so, I, I mean... Want, I, I want to know you're going to... Yeah. It is hard. We, we're going to miss each other, but uh, we are going to be strong for just uh, a while and then mm. I will come back home for good. And, and she said, oh, I'll be strong and mm. it's okay if you go. But I know it is hard. Like we, we had to, we, we do a lot of stuff, like a lot of traveling, a lot of other activities to compensate for, you know, daddy not to be here, but it's still not going to be the same. Yeah. And even I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not a big fan of telling anyone, but especially kids to be strong. Um, Mm -hmm. because that kind of says like, don't cry about it. Don't be sad about it. Whereas, like you know, she's going to be sad, and she has to talk about it and let her let let you know and let him know if she's upset. But be strong means don't tell me you're upset. Be strong means, you know, don't focus on your pain or think about the pain. Um, and it's not her choice. Like let's be strong together. He's choosing to go there for his work. Now, I mean, I'm not saying I know the situation. Maybe it's probably complicated. But I'm just saying it's not like a choice she made together. And let's be strong. So you're, we're doing something to her, and then saying you be strong about it. 
you know, doesn't feel very mm-hmm. fair. So right. I, again, I don't know the details of the his work and what is really involved, but um, that, that's a long time. You know, how long has it been this way? You said six months. Four months. Four months. He's been gone. Yes. And he's going to come back in like two months. Yes. For two weeks and then go again. Okay. I mean, that's, I don't know. He said temporary. That's already a pretty long time. Um, and if he, if he goes again, that's going to be another, a full year and she sees him four weeks. So that, that to me is, is big. We, we can't. It's going to be a little over a year. So. Okay. Well, we, you know, again, to me, it's at what price that, that takes a toll on the daughter, Yeah. especially any kid, but one with anxiety and at this you know, critical time where OCD can develop. And maybe it's already there, so I'm not saying it would stop it if he showed up, but I just think we, we want to be aware of that. That's that's big. So I would talk to him seriously about that um, and just know that it's, it's very likely hurting her. Do you see her react to it? What, what have you observed in her about it? Um, about him being gone? Mm-hmm. She, she talks about that a lot. Um Especially that he plays with her all the time, like they their favorite plays games like card games or chess. They play chess together a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so she she always mentions that I miss daddy. Mm-hmm. I wish daddy was here. He's the one who always plays with me. He's the one who always cheer me up and um, and he tells him on the phone too, like. Whatever happened during the day that made her upset, she, she always makes sure to report to him. So mm-hmm. he, he does as much as he can over the phone to cheer her up and give her idea. Maybe you should do this. Maybe you should ask mommy to take you to this place or do this with you. You know, mm-hmm. um, suggestions. But she does talk about... Um, missing daddy all the time oh i'm sure she does and yeah there's no replacement for that and even i know you're trying to keep her busy or do other things but it's not going to replace that i mean they could do no. things like even play chess from far away it's again that's not going to be the same like online or you can keep a board and you know things like that but none of that's could ever replace being face to face and spending time no. together so that we have to be aware of that impact i do want to get to your other question about her therapy so i know you said the therapist just yesterday gave her this proposal of making it a little bit more um, cognitive behavioral and not just strict play therapy. Um, I would, again, I don't want to interfere with the therapist's work and what, what she's going to do, uh, but I would talk to your daughter about, you know, maybe we can talk to her to the therapist and see what we can do, how we can make it work. So, uh, you know, I would try to make that not a, it's over. You can understand she's upset. You can even talk to her. I know you, you really liked how it was. You're enjoying it. And maybe I think you didn't like that she changed it. And especially because we know she probably doesn't like change in general. So that was not a good feeling. And like I said before, control is going to be something that she's very sensitive to and and is going to have, you know, have a strong feeling towards. So I think she didn't like that losing control and having that taken away from her. So I I would I would talk to the therapist again, respecting that you don't want to tell the therapist what to do. Um, but seeing what we can do and, and talk to her about the conversation you're having with me, what can we do? Because we do want her to continue and we know it's good for her. You're noticing the difference when she doesn't go. So it is good for her, but we don't want to force her and pressure her. And we want to make sure she feels good about going. And in my opinion, keeping it at play therapy can be okay. 
Um, I think, you know, not that therapists think this, but I think for a lot of people, they think, oh, well, play therapy is just play, but talk therapy is somehow superior and better, but not definitely not the case, especially with kids. They get a lot out of the play therapy. So um, I would communicate with the therapist and see what can be done, because if she can, uh, you know, continue with her now that she has a relationship with her, I think that would be best. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Thank I you for calling. Thank you very much. I yeah. appreciate your help. Yes, hope to hear from you again, maybe even sooner than two years this time, but give me a call, tell me how she's doing. Definitely, thank you. All right, you. nice talking to you, take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, studio number 310-441-0555. We'll be right back. back let's go to another caller radio hamra you're on the air hi is that me yes hello thank you for calling yes uh yeah i'm calling regarding uh my daughter she's 23 um she graduated like um when she was 21 uh with her bachelor degree and that was when you know at her graduation you know when they um decorate the top of their hats with um, you know, when they're graduating, <laughs> she decorated that, you know, got out, uh, came out with a um, BSc. So, she came out uh, with a what? Was, uh, came, out with, came out with a BSc. Uh, I'm still not sure if I understand what you're saying. She came out with a... She, no, on the top of the hat was written, came out, and then on the bottom with uh, BA. Or oh, okay. in a bachelor of art. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that was when that we officially found out that um, you know she was uh, homosexual, and then so she stayed for the summer where she was going to school, and then the following year she came back home. Um, the question is not most more about her; it's mostly about me. I have a very hard time, you know, dealing with this issue. Is just I cannot access it. I cannot deal with it. Um, you know, for when we found out, when we were coming back home after her graduation, like, I just didn't talk to her for, like, uh, maybe, like, six weeks. Mm. You know, her dad was still, you know, texting her, talking to her. Um, but I did not want to just see her. I just didn't want to talk to her. It was just so hard for me to accept that so she came home she stayed home for a year about a year and then she got accepted to go for her graduate school she's right now in a very good school she's going to law school in a very good california school and then um so she has gone at the beginning of this you know past september mm-hmm. so um my issue is just i cannot just accept this i cannot i just I feel disgusted with the issue. I just, uh, I just don't know what to do. I just mm-hmm. cannot accept it. Okay. Well, I'm I, I'm glad you're calling because, um, 
lots of parents can have a very difficult time with this, and it seems like you're definitely yeah. struggling. Uh, and I, you know, it's hard. You kept saying it's hard for you to accept it. It's hard for you to accept it. Now, yeah. I'll let you know. The good news is, uh, I don't know what that sound was. The good news is um, that the way you're feeling about it is not is it can change. Is the good news, mm-hmm. and also the way you're thinking about it is not. I don't know how to say this without making it without invalidating your feelings, but it's om- it's not right. By that I mean that when you, I think, see the bigger picture and see the full picture, you see that you won't need to feel that way and you won't feel that way. Now, I know at this time you're still feeling feeling that, but that that's where we're at. So what you're going to have to go through is an exploration of what you think and feel about homosexuality, which is definitely going to stretch back into your childhood and, and after that, uh, and what it is you feel and believe about them and that's what's making it so hard for you to accept that your daughter is a them, kind of an us and them. Now, over time, I think that line will blur and you won't see it as much that way. But right now, it seems like it's a very strong, I can't accept that my daughter is one of them. Um, mm-hmm. So what does homosexuality mean to you? Because you even used the word disgusted. Yeah, it just to me, it feels unnatural. I feel that um, it just... I don't know, it feels unnatural and it feels that a lot of it is come out with the media and, you know, whatever, you know, uh, environment that they are growing up in. Just a lot of, you know, if you, I, you know, that's my feeling that, it, you know, I, if you are even on the verge of it, because this is, uh, to me it seems that way that the society is encouraging you to, even if you are having just a littlest, uh, you know, feeling towards that side, you know, just move to that side because mm-hmm. right now it's a cool, f- to me, it's, these are all my understanding. T- today is, this is the cool thing. This is the, uh, you know, the new trend. This is the new thing. So, well, you know, I'll tell you what, the new trend that I, the way I see it, I, I've heard many people say what you're saying and I, I hear you. I, I think the new trend is more towards being accepting of people not being just heterosexual. So, and we are encouraging and empowering. And yes, there's a lot of messages that make it seem that way that almost like you're saying it's better to be that way because they're tr- we're trying to be more accepting of it. Uh, but the way I see sexuality is that it's not just, well, if it's kind of cool, I'm going to be that. Maybe even someone experiments or has something, but there probably is something within them. But especially if they really feel it as an identity, it's not so much of... You know, I think it's cool now, or it seems like the area I'm around, there's more of that, so let me be that way. Um, But also use the word unnatural, which is a common thing we hear about uh, against homosexuality. Um, But we see that, if we're saying it's unnatural, we see that actually it does exist in nature. So other animals express homosexual behavior too. So it's not only a uniquely human thing or a deviation or a deviant thing. And really what we see is that people are born that way. They naturally are born that way. Um, so it is in that way natural. It seems likely that your daughter was born homosexual. And and that is okay to me. That's very okay. I know it's very hard for you to accept. Um, but I want you to also recognize that a lot of, you know, even I want to explore this with you further because I think that's important. But most of what people feel about things like homosexuality is exactly that feelings 
we, we think it's because of reasons, because it's unnatural or because of this or because of that. But it goes a lot deeper into just a feeling reaction that you just hear it or think it and you just don't like it or you think it's bad or immoral in some level that's unacceptable. Um, and those things take longer to change than just if it was a purely logical thing. So it's going to be a process. I understand it's not going to be be easy for you. But what else comes to your mind or what else uh, do you feel when you say you can't accept it or when you think uh, about someone being gay or a lesbian? What what feelings or reactions do you have? Um, you know, when I, when I see it, it's funny to say that, but when I see it in other people, it doesn't bother me. Okay, they can be whatever they want. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to my own child, you know, it's difficult for me. It's just... Um, is just, um, you know, I feel, uh, you know, the course of life has changed. You know, I was having this idea that I'm going to have a daughter, that she's going to get married, and she's going to have kids, and I'm going to have grandkids and all that. So that whole idea has changed. I have to now deal with a daughter which uh, wants to be, um, you know, she's, leaning towards becoming like a transgender even you know that way so i'm dealing with the idea that you know i have to tell my daughter call my daughter my son now which is just i cannot do that it's just so hard it's just it's just you know has she expressed that that she wants to she wants to she she feels that way i don't know how to what extent she wants to do but uh, yeah, I, I, you know, from her appearance, you can see, uh, from well, the way she dresses, yeah. you can see. Now, and appearance and how she dresses doesn't necessarily mean she wants to change her sex um, mm-hmm. biologically. Some people just identify gender. They might feel more, let's say, traditionally masculine or more like a male, mm-hmm. even if they have yeah. female um you know, reproductive okay. organs. So that doesn't necessarily mean she wants to go forward and have a sex change. But I think this also yeah. shows that there is a lack of communication and that leads to a lack of knowledge from your, your standpoint yeah. about what's going on or who she is. And yeah. I really do want you to take this as a big challenge in your life because right now you're, with the message you're giving your daughter is that she's not okay as she is, that she's not acceptable that she's not okay. And I think, of course, a big part of that is your denial because you're still hoping, I think, maybe that it's a phase or she thinks this because of media um, or, you know, she just is going through this for a time period, but she's going to go back. But because of that, you're rejecting her at this time. You're telling her she's mm-hmm. not okay as she is and even that you don't love her as she is. And that's huge. That's really, really uh, can take a big toll. You have to recognize that for her to come out and what she's going through is already challenging enough, even if she had all the support in the world. But one of her most uh, important figures, maybe the most important figure in her life, her mother, is not accepting of that. That's going to be really hard for her. So, uh, you know, the the denial has to, to melt away and then you have to work on your own homophobia. There is realistic things you're saying, like, you know, there's things you assumed that are changing. So we understand it's going to be an adjustment process. There was things you expected that now changed. Now she definitely can still get married and can even have children. Um, that's not un- impossible. Um, 
but also I'd want you to talk to her. Maybe she doesn't want to get married. Maybe she doesn't want to have kids and that's her life. Now you might, you know, you, that was your idea of wanting those things, but it's about her life, right? So we have to, to see what she wants and what she's going through to, to really understand what's happening. But I want you to feel that, that feeling of right now, your daughter thinks my mom doesn't love me. My mom doesn't think I'm okay. My mom doesn't think who I am is acceptable. Uh, she could even think who I am is disgusting. And because of that, you have to take that seriously. Even I would consider going to therapy to work on this, to really get at the root of what you're feeling and experiencing. And it's going to be challenging, but it is possible. And the good news is your daughter is okay as she is. I know you don't feel that right now, but she's perfectly okay who she is. And even more than that, she's more okay now than she was before you knew. The reason why I'm saying that is because before either she was not aware of it herself or she wasn't um, open with who she was. So really her coming out is a celebration. I know for you, it doesn't feel that way right now, but it's your daughter is allowing herself to be herself and you as her mom, um, you know, mom is known for the unconditional love of accepting you and loving whoever their baby is and whoever their baby becomes that this is your challenge now because you're supposed to give her that feeling and you're facing a challenge and you're having a hard time being being that giving her that love so i i really would say you know even going to therapy to me would be the right thing to do and telling her you know you can even tell her that because i'm trying to deal with this i'm having a hard time with this um because that is important now after the break i do want to actually want to keep you online because this is such an important issue in all cultures but definitely in the iranian culture i know i've heard of so many families dealing with this so i think others can can relate to that and might benefit from you know us talking some more so hang, hang online we'll talk after the break okay all right thank you You're listening to in session with dr fatty delaqui we'll be right back Back. Let's go to the caller we were with before the break. Caller, are you still there? Yes, yes, okay. I'm still here. So, again, thank you for calling. You were talking about finding out that uh, your daughter, it's been about two years since you found out, correct? That's right. That's okay, so tell me about your relationship with her since then. Um, you know, before this, we were used to be very close. You know, she was like you know, we would do everything together, and um, right now it's just on a, like a surface level, it's just, I don't talk about it, she doesn't talk about it, mm-hmm. so we just, you know, keep it separate. Um, you know, business otherwise is the same, uh, like, we still do the same things we used to do before, but, you know, I get away from talking about the subjects, and she doesn't mention anything. So, mm. so that's very Yeah, and well, I know you're saying, that, you know, things are everything else is kind of the same, but it seems like things are very, very different. Mm-hmm. And we're talking yeah. about two years. Yeah, 
Yeah, because I mean, she. So she has she talked to you about it at all? What like how she feels or what she how she feels that you're distant or yeah, did you... before before she went back to school, uh, you know, right at the end of the summer, she started talking to me that you know I don't like this, you know I don't um, I don't want you not to accept me and you know I want to deal with this and you know try to understand my point and things like that, but. We just we just had like a, an hour talk about it, and then and mainly she talked about how she feels and all that, mm-hmm. and um, I just again I just kept it at that. So basically, for me, it's just I'm avoiding the subject. And she knows that I, you know, I don't appreciate talking about it, so she doesn't say anything. Yeah. Like, you know, about that. Well, you know, there's a kind of a psychological saying, the only way out is through. And you're, so you're going to have to face it mm-hmm. because I'm sure she misses you, but I'm sure you also miss having her the way you had her before too. Mm-hmm. And like I mentioned before, the good news is you can, you know, you guys are still the same two people. I know you think you, you know, she's someone different or you see her differently, but she's still that little girl. Um, even more, like I said before, she's more in touch with who she is. It's actually a good thing, but Mm -hmm. it it seems so hard for you to, to accept that. Um, and that, that is heartbreaking. And I can hear it in your voice, how sad it is for you, both Mm -hmm. dealing with trying to accept her and what, what this, you know, what was a shock to you, but also Mm -hmm. sad that you're not as close to her as you used to be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's why I want you to feel motivated that, you know, I know you're saying I don't feel comfortable talking about it and uh, I don't appreciate talking about it. And she knows that, but you're going to have to get uncomfortable. That's the only way this is going to change. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And do you have hope that you could accept it, that things can change? Um, yeah, I have to work real hard on that. So mm-hmm. I don't think it's something that would come, you know, easily, you know. Sure. Um, yeah, just, I don't know, I guess at the end you will give up, you will give up on excess because I guess at the end the love of your kid is more important than anything else. I guess at the end you will eventually give up and, you know, go with it. Right. Even when you say give up, and I I hear you, but when you say give up, it sounds like as if, again, you're holding out hope that you can change her, she's going to change or, Mm -hmm. you know, realize. So you don't want to accept it because your accepting of it makes it maybe more permanent or more real Mm -hmm. Um, or even gives her the approval that, yes, you can be that way. And I want you to know that she's not, it's not about a choice. You know, even when people, I, you know, I work with families and they say, I don't want my daughter or my son to date this person. So I don't want to accept the relationship. And that even has a choice, but even still what they do doesn't work. But especially in this case, it's not like, um, she's choosing something. I really want you to understand that this is something that is just who she is. It's how she was born. And, and yeah, I guess, yeah, my problem is that, that I think she chose to be like that and, my husband is more accepting than me. He, um, he, yeah, he, he, this, he, this is what he says. He says, oh, this is not her fault. She was born like this. It's not uh, something that she can do anything. She mm-hmm. fought with it. She fought with it. She saw psychologists for a number of years. 
she tried to be not that, and then at the end she said no. Mm. She found out no, that is who she is, and that's how wow. she wants to conduct her life. So wow, so, so that's a struggle. She well, even the end, you said that's how she wants to conduct her life. Yeah. That that part of it, the, the who she is, I agree with, but conduct her life again makes it a choice or it's a behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, the mm-hmm. behavior comes from expressing who you are, not it's just mm-hmm. you know the choice. But so she went through all that. She went through that identity process mm-hmm. of trying to figure out who she was, and, and that's actually the beginning of the show. I talked about that topic yeah. and how complicated yes. it can be. Yeah. Yeah, that's where that's why I called. I'm glad you, know, you did. Just, yeah, I was you know I was so glad that you know somebody else. Well, talked about it, and mm-hmm. I, I just hesitated. I had the phone in my hand for like ten minutes, hesitating: should I call? Mm-hmm. Should I not call? Should I call? And you know, I called, and um, it's been difficult. I just don't know where to turn. It's just yeah. uh, you know, whenever, unfortunately, whenever we start talking with my husband, we end up having an argument because he says these things and I don't accept, and then we end up having an argument. So. Yeah. Uh, well, I get, yeah, you know, I want yeah, you to I, get, it seems like your husband is more what, where the science and information seems to be pointing mm-hmm. towards. And that's why I'm saying yeah. what you're going through is an emotional thing, not a, informa- a lack of actual information. Although some of it is yeah. that you need to know more about her and, and that information and knowledge. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I think yeah. you don't want to accept what people are telling you seems to be closer to yeah. the truth. Um, yeah. And I'm really glad you did call. And it, it yeah. breaks, you know, it's, it's. It, it's sad to hear, you know, what you're even going through is sad, but also what you and your daughter are going through. Um, and imagine your daughter, you know, she went through, she had these feelings and these thoughts. You know, I can't obviously describe exactly what she went through, and I want her to tell you, and I want you to hear that. Mm-hmm. And she wasn't mm-hmm. sure, is this me? And maybe she couldn't accept it. Just like you're you're having this hard time, she probably had a hard time too and was mm-hmm. hoping maybe it's a phase or just some feelings, but it's not really mm-hmm. her especially if she had any idea of how you feel about this, but, um, and she was struggling with it. And now imagine after all that struggle and pain and, you know, confusion, she came out the other Mm -hmm. side and said, this is me. But then her mom wasn't there to hug her and say, I love you as you are. And that's the part where you're going to have to work to get to that point. Because I know you said it's going to be hard, but I'm sure it is. It's going to be very, very, very hard, very uncomfortable, uh, complicated, all those things. But mm-hmm. think about what we're talking about. We're talking about your re- relationship with your daughter, which I know to yeah. you, the way you're talking about her is priceless. So whatever, mm-hmm. it, it, the, the other, the the cost of not doing it is more than the cost of doing it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so it, it's only going to happen by you facing what you feel and what you think and mm-hmm. and where it comes from and how deep it goes. And even mourning maybe the loss of what you had, you know, the straight daughter that you had in your mind you have to accept that that's gone and you really do have to accept that you're not going to change her it's not it's not up to you and it's not going to be affected by you she went through all of this on her own so the only choice you have is either to accept her as she is or not accept her as she is there's no effect of you by either not accepting or changing her behavior or as you put it or changing who she is those are your choices is can i love her as she is or not um so, have you considered yeah. going to therapy to, to work on this? Um, yes, but Dr. Holak, I'm so sorry. I have to be back at work. I love to stay alive okay. and talk That's about all right. it more, but I'm so sorry. My, I have 
to be at work. That's okay. No problem. Go. I'm glad you called. I know you said you're hesitating, yeah, but like I said, I may call like next week. And please like, do. Know, this is a big issue, but like I said, you're going to have to yeah. take it seriously and, and and work on it. But the good news is things mm-hmm. can get can get better, so, and I'm hoping for okay. that. But thanks for your call. Okay. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you. Bye bye. All right. Well, I really am glad that she called because this issue. Um, I've seen so many. Uh, families of all cultures, but a lot of Iranian families get rocked by this you know, revelation, as it, you can put it, of a child coming out and having such a hard time with it. Uh, as I mentioned to her, we know that people are born this way, that some people are just going to be not heterosexual, and that's who they are. And as a parent, you either can love and accept them for who they are or reject that and deny that. And this goes in various levels. Of course, there's the people that disown uh, their family member, which is heartbreaking, disown their child for being born a certain way. And we, so we still see that becoming less, but you definitely still see that. Um, then there's different levels. Well, we don't want to see you as much anymore. Or we don't want to be around you. Then there's the other people. What, what I see commonly is that we accept you, um, but we don't want to know about that part of your life. And so they tell me they, they love their kid and they accept them 100%, but they don't want to know about their romantic life or meet their partners or any of that. And that's not giving the message of, I accept you 100%. Especially even I've seen it in families where they have two kids and one is straight and they'll invite you know the girlfriend or the boyfriend over for dinner and meet with them. But it's just known that their gay son or lesbian daughter doesn't bring their partner to family dinners or around the family. And that's not showing acceptance. And I'm not saying you should force yourself to feel something or to think something or act in a way, but don't trick yourself in saying, I completely love my son or my daughter and accept them 100% when you're not doing that. And you can work on these things. Homophobia um, and these judgments and thoughts and prejudices are not things that can't be changed. They tend to be pretty hard fixed in us. So changing them is not going to be easy but it doesn't mean that we have no uh, way of making change or progress or recognizing that these judgments that we have don't have to be that way. We can change that. And so I hope anyone dealing with this on any side of it recognizes that they can work towards getting to a better place uh, and creating a relationship. And I really hope for our caller she can get there because it is heartbreaking to see a, a mother and daughter who were so close uh, and who had such a beautiful relationship then have it fall apart because of this. And again, it's because her daughter realized who she was or was ready to express who she was, which should be a beautiful thing that's celebrated. But unfortunately, it's hard for, for the mother to, to get to that point yet. And I hope she gets there for herself and for her daughter and for the relationship they can have. But So thank you again to that caller. Hopefully we will get to talk again soon. Uh, we've reached our last commercial break of the show. Studio number 3104410555. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delaqui. We'll be right back. Welcome back. You know, the previous caller we had a really uh, good conversation i'm glad she did call but this issue of acceptance came up um, and how hard that can be to accept even who we are but accept someone else and how significant that can be Um, but to really love 
ourselves or to love anyone. We have to know that person and we have to accept them. So when it comes to even us, uh, to really have love for ourselves, we can say, I love myself, but until we really know ourselves and let ourselves be who we are, we won't know who we are to then love that person and accept them. And so what her daughter went through in this process of trying to understand herself, who am I? Am I, is this my identity or is it not? Am I, can I accept it or not? Um, she had to go through a struggle. And once she finally did, uh, she then came out, which is itself a big step for, for people from the LGBTQ community. But then she could love herself. But we can say in a way it was impossible for her to fully love herself until she knew who she was. And that's why this process of uh, coming out can be so significant. But even first, in a way, there's a coming out that someone does to themselves of really accepting who they are. Many people uh, who are from the LGBTQ community will say from a young age they knew. But for other people, it's not so simple. They had some uh, ideas or they thought about it or they felt a little bit different, but they weren't sure exactly what that was. And so this is why these messages that we send to tell people that being different is bad, that being different is not okay, that there is this us and them. And if you're one of them, you're not okay, you're not good, you're immoral, you're uh, disgusting or ugly or whatever it might be. This is why those things are so painful, so harmful, and really just so wrong. People are born different. They have different ways of being, different ways of relating, different sexualities, different heights, different weights, different eye color, hair color, skin color. Uh, they're born that way. That's just, that's how they are. And for us to give messages that somehow one is better than the other, one is not okay, is a big problem. And people... Uh, again, as I mentioned in the first segment and now saying it out the last segment, those messages can really get people to the point where they even take their own lives because once they figure out that they are a certain way, that they are somehow not acceptable and not okay, they can't even accept who they are to the point where they don't want to exist. They don't, they'd rather be dead than be alive the way that they are. And to me, that's very, very sad for that to be the case. And so we have to be aware of what we're, we're telling to other people but bringing it back to ourselves we have to get in touch with who we are and very often we can be afraid to see what's there sometimes people come in therapy and they're afraid to find out maybe what if i'm not a good girl or a good guy a nice person what if i have really these evil um, emotions or feelings or ideas within me that i'm afraid to get in touch with and people resist getting in touch with themselves because they're afraid of what they see but if we can accept that whatever is there is acceptable, is lovable, if we come in with that mindset, that non-judgmental mindset, we'll be much more comfortable to explore what's there. And so first we have to accept that we all have parts that maybe we won't like, that we won't like about ourselves, or even kind of can be negative. By that I mean negative feelings, anger, resentment, jealousy, envy. We all have those feelings. We all have them there. We can try to pretend like they're not there. We can deny them. And it, it's something I see people do a lot, especially in a way it's a very L.A. thing to just say, always say, to say you're happy and good and everything is great and you can't complain and life is wonderful and there's nothing to be sad about. But that's denying to ourselves the reality that 
that's not the case. That's not reality. That's not what a real human being is, and that's not what real human life is. Life has pain. Life has struggle. And we ourselves have imperfections, have vulnerabilities, have insecurities, have weaknesses, um, have maybe short tempers or, uh, you know, uh, have a hard time relating with certain people or in certain situations. We're just going to have those things. But we have to accept that that's, that's being human. Being human is being imperfect. And if we can accept that, then it makes it easier to look at who we actually are, to see who we are. And if we look at the people that feel the most comfortable in their own skin, they're not the people who are, uh, let's say, the best or have the least amount of problems or difficulties or don't struggle with anything. But we just see that the way they relate to who they are is a lot more comfortable and loving and compassionate than someone else who doesn't have that same attitude towards themselves. If we just accept, okay, this is me, that's going to make me feel a lot more comfortable than I don't want to be that. I can't be that. I don't want to look that way. I don't want to think that way. I don't want to feel that way. I don't want to have this life experience or this uh, part of identity. I don't want to accept those things. That's when we have that struggle and conflict within ourselves. So that previous caller was having a conflict in accepting something in someone else, her daughter, of course, someone very close to her. But we ourselves can struggle with accepting who we are. And we want to take a look at that. What parts of myself um, might I not be able to accept? Or am I having a hard time to accept? Of course, before that, what parts of myself even am I not aware of? And again, this is where the benefit of therapy can be seen, where someone else can help us recognize, help point out to us, and even help us reach the realizations of who we are and what's going on within us, to then take a look at that. And at first, for many people in therapy, they can feel lots of emotions to what they see, maybe even disgust or disappointment or anger or discomfort or just a feeling of, I wish that wasn't the case. I wish I wasn't that way. I wish I didn't feel that. But with the help of the therapist who can respond, hopefully in that non-judgmental way, we can then internalize that feeling and that thought ourselves. That, okay, I'm insecure in this way, but that's all right. Or I have these kinds of feelings or I've done even these actions, but I can accept that and, and move on and, and, and love myself anyway. So first we have to know ourselves, and to do that we have to be willing to actually take a look at who we are, unafraid of what we see, because we're not going to judge ourselves or punish ourselves for anything we do see. And then with that can come acceptance of who is there. I can, okay, that's me. These are, these are, these are the pink things that are part of who I am. And with that we can then get to love and loving who we are. And people that love themselves, again, aren't people who um, think they're the best or are the best or don't have any shortcomings, but they love themselves despite all those things or with all those things as a whole package. And then so the same thing happens with someone else. In this case, we're talking about a mother and a daughter. And when it comes to your kids, you see your kids as they are. Somebody's parents think they have to say, no, my kid is the smartest and the tallest and the most this and the most that and the best looking and the whatever else it might be, that I have to say those things or see them in that way to love them. But no, a, a real parent sees their kid as they, how they are. They might look a certain way. Yeah, they maybe look even a little funny or they're not necessarily the cutest or the tallest or the smartest or whatever else they are, but they're yours. They're your child uh, and you love them because of that. That's enough. Just being your baby, and actually, of course, being any baby, being any child, 
Uh, a parent really should be able to have love for all kids, but of course your child is the one that you have the relationship with and the responsibility of taking care of, but you love them because they're your kid. There's no expectation of you have to be the tallest or the smartest or the this or the that or act this way and not act that way for me to love you. I love you because you are you. So actually when you give your kids that message that I love you not because of these things, which sometimes we think will be a more of a compliment. If I say my kid's the smartest and the tallest and the cutest, they're going to feel good. But actually that puts a pressure and that makes the love become conditional. I love you because you're the most beautiful or the smartest or the tallest, or you don't cry or you don't act out in this way or do this or that. You actually give them the wrong message. It makes the love become conditional. Now, most parents won't say, I love you because you're the cutest or I love you because you're this or that. But when you constantly praise them for that, it gives them that idea that that's where the love comes from or that's why they get loved. And of course, the reality is they're not going to be the cutest and smartest and tallest and all of those things. And they're going to face that reality probably pretty soon. But if not before they go to school, then definitely at school when they see there's other kids that have other, you know, skills and talents and cuteness and height and smartness and everything else. And they're not going to be number one in all those categories, but you don't need to be those things to be loved. You're loved just for being you. And so as a parent, you're supposed to show your kids you love and accept them. You see them. You see that, oh, they are good at art, but they're not very good at math, let's say. You don't say, no, no, you're the best, best math student too. Okay, that's a challenge for you. Let's work on that. How do you want to work on that? Because you want to get a good grade in that class and you're going to work hard. But you show them you actually see who they are and you love them as they are. You love them that, okay, they're not the best player on the soccer team and you don't expect them to be. You, they don't have to be. They, okay, did you have fun? Oh, good. You enjoyed it. We had fun watching you and that was great. Did you try your best? Great. We always want to try our best. That's important. And that's another factor. I won't maybe deviate to that, but this idea of showing them that it's about your growth, having that growth mindset that you work hard and you get better and you do your best rather than a fixed mindset. That's the book by Carol Dweck called Mindset that uh, makes that point. But you don't want to tell them that you're good because or you did well because you're smart. You did well because you worked hard. That's something that can be worked on or can change how quote unquote smart you are. You can't change. It's just something you're born with, but you want to show them that your love for them is for something inherent of just them being them. So if your child is tall or short, doesn't matter if they're smart or not very smart, that's not going to change your love for them or if you love them. And so hopefully we can extend that to sexuality too. If they are gay or straight, that shouldn't change either. That's who they are. Okay. You're straight. Okay. I love you. You're gay. I love you. What, what difference does it make who you are and who you're going to be and how you identify yourself? Just like, okay, you want to study this? Great. You want to study that? Good. You like art. You don't like art. That's fine. We want to show them we accept them, but whoever they are, whatever they are. Unfortunately, sometimes when it comes to sexuality and other types of things, we think those are bigger and we can't just see it the same way. But we really can. I think I actually feel that in hundreds, maybe in less than that, but in time, it'll become that way where it won't become a big issue. And I look forward to that day where even coming out doesn't become such a big deal because it won't be a big deal because there won't be prejudice and discrimination and hatred against people of any group. But let's say from people of the LGBTQ community, there won't be anything to be afraid of. So coming out won't have to be a big deal. It'll just be another aspect of your identity that you may be revealed to someone in a conversation or it comes up in some way, but there won't be this big thing 
around it. And I think we will get there. Someday we're definitely not there yet. But to all the parents listening, loving your children means loving all of them and all aspects of themselves, especially the things that they were born with in the way that they were born. And so we want to make sure we make them feel uh, okay and loved as they are. All right, we've reached the end of today's show. Thank you to all the callers and the listeners out there in Ramadan in the studio. Again, the book for this week is The Psychopath Test, A Journey Through the Madness Industry by John Ronson. You've been listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delaqui. Have a wonderful day. 